It's a real privilege to be able to speak this morning and thank you Karen, um, Kerry, Doug, everyone that set this talk up really well just with a focus on Jesus being the one who saves and then the testimony from um, both Kerry um, and Doug of being firmly built on Jesus. Um, so yeah, that's wonderful. Rich, can you share the first slide for me um, just to help us um, well, help you discover what the title of my teaching today is. Um, looking at this logo, who can unmute and tell us the slogan that goes with this logo? You don't have to tell me the company it's from, but looking at this logo, anybody? Just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Great, Rich. You can go to the next slide. Just do it. That is the slogan that goes with the logo. And really, that's the essence of what I'll be sharing today. So we're going to dive into the passage. Um, in the chat, I've put all the different Bible verses I'm going to refer to today in case you want to note them down and look at them later. But Gemma's going to start by reading for us from Matthew 7, verse 24 to 28. Um, I'll be reading from the ESV. Um, everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and the great was the fall of it. Thank you, Gemma. So this passage comes at the end of the Sermon on the Mount and Jesus is drawing his teaching to a close. And he's just talked about how we can tell if someone is a true disciple or not. And Rich helped us understand that more last week. And in his talk, he talked about the fact that being a true disciple is being those who obey God's word. It isn't about knowing the right answers or doing the right thing. Um, but we had the warning last week that not everyone that says the right thing or looks right on the outside is a true disciple. And if the Sermon on the Mount has taught us anything, it's that Jesus looks at the heart. It's about obedience. Um, Jesus, again, in our passage today about the wise and foolish builders, says that those who put my words into action are my true disciples. So having just made the comments about what makes a true and false disciple, why did Jesus use this parable to emphasize the point? Well, Jesus was teaching on a mountain, um, the Mount of Beatitudes, so no prize for guessing why it's been given that name since the time of Jesus. And in this area of Palestine, the mountains were surrounded by low valleys and gullies that had been exposed by water from rain and storms. And when I say rain, don't think April showers, think torrential downpour. The rain would be deafening, it would be all-consuming, it would drench everything. And when the rains came, they would be so heavy that they would run off down the mountains. They would make the rivers swell and burst their banks. And they would even carve out new streams and rivers across the land. 
In Uganda, I've seen rain like this. I've seen such a river swell and wash away a fully loaded four by four land cruiser in the matter of minutes, causing devastation. Um, it's something that has to be seen to, to believe what rain like this can do. But once the rains and the waters receded, there would have created flat sandy areas along the side of the riverbanks. And these surfaces would have been smooth and flat from the water that had run over them. And they would have been in stark contrast to the higher ground that would be rocky and often covered with loose rock and debris. So if you came to the area where Jesus was standing and looking out across in Palestine, if you came to that area during the dry season, to build a house on the flat sandy bank would seem like a good choice for a building. They were already flat. The surface would be easy to dig. It would pretty much be ready to build on. Contrast this with the rocky areas where it would have taken work to flatten. It would take work to dig down. It would take work to ensure that you got a level house. But as I said, when the rains came, everything would change. As the water levels rise, the sandy, sandy flats would disappear and be engulfed into the bulging river. But the higher rocky ground would be spared from the onslaught of the river and the house could withstand the storm. Whereas the house on the sand could do nothing to withstand the power of the rain and the river and the storm because it had nothing to hold it in place. So this is the picture that those listening to Jesus would have had in their minds as he shared this parable. In essence, this parable and its teaching is straightforward. As Jesus explains it himself, which I always find helpful, he says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house upon the rock. So basically, Jesus is saying, hear my words, put them into practice. Storms will come, but you will stand firm. So what does it mean for us today to hear the words of Jesus? When Jesus said this in person, he'd just said a lot of words to those who are listening. So what's it mean for us? Well, we're fortunate that we have the Bible, that it's available to us um, to read. We hear the amazing stories that Drew and his team are doing in Cameroon of making the Bible accessible um, to people in their language. We have it in our language and in so many different translations. It's available in so many formats. We can read it, we can listen to it, we can study it. And you can even have a red letter Bible where the publishers have already highlighted to you the words that Jesus spoke. So we have God's word in the Bible. But Jesus can also speak to us by his spirit as we pray. He may convict us of sin. He may bring a word of encouragement. He may bring direction or challenge or give us a picture. He may also speak through others um, who have words for us, just as we were seeking God this morning um, for each other. But the important thing to remember is that all of these other ways will not contradict what Jesus said on earth and what we find in the Bible. So if you aren't sure, if what you've heard or seen is Jesus, go to the Gospels and see how Jesus spoke, what his heart was, and see if you think what, he is say what you're hearing now confirms that or contradicts it.
we could do a whole series on discerning the voice of God. So I won't go into it more now. But hopefully, now that we all know the Sermon on the Mount so well, and these words of Jesus, that sets us in good stead to measure up any words against that when we know what Jesus has already said here. So having considered a little about how we hear um, the words of Jesus, let's now consider a few aspects from this specific parable that Jesus teaches us. So we're going to look at four things. Foundations, building our house, storms of life, and God's wisdom compared to the wisdom of the world. So we're going to hear from Gemma again to consider about foundations. Gemma's going to read for us from Luke chapter 6, um, verse 47 to 49. And here we have the parable of the wise and foolish builders um, as told in the Gospel of Luke. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundations on the rock. And when the flood arose and the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been built well. But the one who hears and does not do them is like the man who builds a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of the house was great. Thanks, Gemma. So in this account, there's even more of a focus on the foundations. It talks about digging down deep to make the foundations or where foundations weren't built. And this parable is teaching us that if we only hear the words of Jesus, that won't give us the foundations that we need. We need to put those words into action. And in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says it this way. Do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Do what it says. Or if a, a famous sports brand was around at the time, maybe it would say, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourself. Just do it. So we're deceiving ourselves if we only hear the word, but it doesn't change us. We need to let the word of God <laughs> sink into us to challenge us, to change us from the inside out not just know it in our minds. But sometimes if you're like me, it can be overwhelming to think. We're called to obedience, but there's so many commands. How can I follow them all? <laughs> it can just seem, seem too unattainable. But let's look at what Jesus said on this. Um, Rachel's going to read to us from Matthew 22, 36 to 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Thank you, Rachel. So when Jesus was, was asked, maybe by um, someone who also felt overwhelmed, what is the, the greatest command? Wanting to know, what do I need to do? What's most important? Um, this was his reply. And within these two commands, 
love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, all the rest, rest upon this. Um, and so to further help us um, understand what it means to, to obey Jesus, there's an encounter in Luke's gospel with Jesus and a rich young ruler. So Rachel, can you read Luke 18? 18 to 23. A certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad because he was a man of great wealth. Thank you, Rachel. So here, again, we have another man coming to Jesus and asking Jesus what he needed to do. And here, the rich young ruler is trying to do all the right things. But when Jesus looks at his heart, he isn't actually obeying the most important command, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. Jesus can see that this rich young ruler is putting his trust, putting his life, building his life upon his status, his wealth, his power above his surrender to God. His foundations were shaky. They weren't on his obedience to God and, and Jesus exposed that. And we can also take this concept of foundations and apply it even further than our obedience to Jesus. Because Jesus' teaching is teaching us to become like him. This solid rock which we build on, our obedience to Jesus, this means that we're building our lives on Jesus himself. In 1 Corinthians 3, um, verse 10, it says, According to the grace of God, which was given to me, like a wise master builder, I laid a foundation, and another is building on it. But each man must be careful how he builds on it, for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So Paul here again is teaching us that our foundation is Jesus. We can't build on anything else. Anything else is a false foundation. And we need to be careful about that. And James puts it like this. He says, the word planted in you can save you. And we know that it's Jesus that saves us. And so that word planted in us is Jesus. And that is our firm foundation. He is the one that saves us. He is the one that can't be shaken. That is the unchanging, changing nature. And by being obedient to him, we are on solid ground. What an amazing truth. So our foundation is on Jesus and on our obedience to him. So let's move on to consider building our house. This is a metaphor for what we are focusing or building our lives into. 
And when people look at our lives, what do they see? What are our priorities? How do we spend our time? What are our aspirations? What's our character? In all these areas, is our focus Jesus? Is it becoming like him and making him known? Are we building our lives on him and for him? Are we taking his teaching, wrestling with it and applying it to our lives in every area? Now, a word of caution here. It's not about trying to do more, always to do the right thing or to strive harder. I know that's a trap that I fall into and just wanting to know what I'm supposed to do and do it right. But Jesus' teaching shows us that it's about the heart and it's from that that the fruit will grow. If we focus on the Sermon on the Mount as a list of instructions, we're missing the point. The point is that it comes from intimacy with Jesus. It's about our intention to know him and follow him. It comes from discovering what he's like for ourselves. It comes from studying his life and devouring his teaching. And if his teachings are teaching us how to be like him, then we can draw closer to him as we study them. And by his Holy Spirit, he will reveal himself to us. At Home Group, we've been studying Jesus' words in John, and especially in John 15, where it talks about the vine and the branches. Jesus talks about being the true vine. And it says that if we remain in him, we will bear much fruit and we will be his true disciples. But that without him, we can do nothing. And in John 15, verse 9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So here Jesus is encouraging us that he loves us like the Father loves him. That is a perfect love. And remaining connected to him is the best place for us. And without that, we can't do anything. It's what we were created for. And in doing that, staying connected him, to him and putting into practice what we hear, we will remain in his love and bear much fruit. So it's not about us striving. It's not about us doing it on our own and trying to be perfect. It's about us staying connected to Jesus, knowing him and putting into practice what we hear. But how often do we get sidetracked and start to build our lives on something that isn't Jesus? Maybe it's the security of family, maybe it's success, um, our career, maybe it's the impression or the persona that we build up on social media, or maybe it's simply our own abilities. But the passage we read in Corinthians goes on to say that the building will be tested by fire and only that which will remain and only that of quality will remain. Only what is eternal will remain. So that is a huge challenge for me to think about how much of what I spend my life on is of eternal value. Let's just let that sink in. How much of what we spend our time on is of eternal value. So we've looked at building our lives on the foundation of Jesus and our obedience to him. We've considered what it means to build our lives up um, and to remain connected to Jesus and applying his teachings to our life. 
the next part of the parable talks about the storms that will come. And Jesus is showing in this parable that in life, storms will come. And it's often only when the storms come that we know the quality of our, <laughs> our house, our foundations, the strength of our structure. Is it something that will hold firm or something that will fall away? Now, during the storm is not the time to be building the foundations to ensure that you're on solid rock. During the storm is the time to shelter in safety and trust in the structure and foundations that you have. As a home group over this past year, another series that we went through was on unanswered prayer. And in each video session that we looked at, there was a testimony of someone where her horrific storm had come into their life. And in each testimony, the people had a truth of God that held them through their storm. It held them in the darkest of times. And for one man, a pastor, a worship leader, who suffered almost complete severing of his vocal cords, and he is unable to speak um, more than an hour, only in a whisper and every day. And even that is with excruciating pain. The truth that he held on to was that God is good and God loves him. And he said, even when he didn't see that in his life, even when he didn't feel that, he definitely didn't feel it at times, he held on to that truth and he pursued God and he said, I know you are good and I will pursue you until I see that in my life. His solid foundations held him in the storm. The decisions that he had made in his life up to that point, because they were based on Jesus, they held him in the storm. And when the storms of life come, we want to be sure that our foundations are solid. Even when our heads are full of questions and our hearts are full of heartache, we want to be certain of who Jesus is and his love for us. So let's make sure that we're building our foundations, that we're drawing close to Jesus, that we're in that vine and we're connected to him, that we're putting into practice what we're learning so that when the storm comes, we're prepared. And if we do, then the amazing promise in this parable that Jesus gives is that we will stand firm. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we'll miraculously be delivered from the problem. In the parable, the house isn't picked up and moved away to a nice, safe, quiet place. The house remains where it is and the storm comes, but it's still standing. And so just like Karen's already said with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they were able to face their storm, their fiery furnace, and say, we know our God, we know he can save us. And even if he doesn't, we will not bow down and worship anything else. Their foundations were strong and Jesus did come and he was in the furnace with them and he delivered them from their situation. But they had to go through it. <laughs> they weren't saved from having to enter that fire, but they were saved and brought out. And this is a truth that Chris and I have held on to in numerous challenges that we've faced in our lives. Whether it was in Uganda, where Chris and I one time inadvertently caused a mob riot when we accidentally drove down the wrong part of a road that was under construction. And within minutes, our Land Cruiser was surrounded by uh, over 50 angry people with metal bars and shovels, and our car was being hit and rocked and we honestly didn't know um 
what kind of state, if any, we would emerge from that situation. Um, or when I was stood alone in a hotel bathroom in America, 23 weeks pregnant, and a pool of blood on the floor was getting bigger and bigger. I didn't know if the baby inside me would survive. Or when Chris and I were sat around an incubator with tiny premature mica laying there with tubes and monitors attached to every part of his body. We didn't know what his future would be, but we knew that we served a God who would not let us down. We knew that we served a God who was unchangeable and we knew promises that God had given us. And so our firm foundations, the decisions that we'd made in our life up to then to trust Jesus and to follow him was what held us through each of those situations. So even if our circumstances seem to be saying something else, we know the truth and those firm foundations cannot be shaken. So what an amazing promise. The final point that I want to make is around wisdom and foolishness. So when Jesus told this parable, those around him who were listening would have known just how foolish it would have been to build on the sand. Now, people would have laughed and mocked at somebody who would turn up in the dry season and see the sandy banks and, and build a house because the locals would have known exactly what was around the corner when the rainy season came. So Jesus used this example to show them quite how foolish it is not to put into practice what he teaches us. So we need to choose the right thing to do. However, we've seen in the Sermon on the Mount that what Jesus taught is that the wise thing is not necessarily the obvious worldly wise thing. Right back in the Beatitudes, Jesus makes all these comparisons about those who are blessed. And for the listeners, the people that Jesus was saying were blessed, that wouldn't have necessarily been the people they would think were blessed. So when we're thinking about the right choice, the wise thing to do, we really do need to go back to the good old saying from the 1990s of WWJD, what would Jesus do? And to help us answer that question, we probably need to ask WDJS, what did Jesus say? When Chris and I were faced with years of infertility and finally a doctor said to us that a very specific form of IVF would most likely work, it seemed like the wise thing to do to go through with that treatment. However, Jesus had said something different. Chris very clearly heard Jesus say that we could do IVF and we could get a baby, but that God wanted to bless us with a baby in a different way that would give us a bigger testimony. And so to the world, it seemed like the foolish decision to turn down a way to end our heartache. But we believed in God's wisdom and God's promise, and we were obedient to that. And a few years later, after 10 years of infertility, I conceived naturally, and we now have Miracle Micah. So being obedient to Jesus' words isn't always the easiest thing, but it is always the best thing. And while I was studying, for this talk, I discovered this great quote about earthly wisdom and God's wisdom. And it says, the difference between the wisdom of God and man 
is that the wisdom of God has to be revealed to the heart first and then to the mind, while the wisdom of man is revealed to the mind. Doesn't that sit so well with what Jesus has taught us in the Sermon on the Mount? Our hearts need to be captivated by what Jesus says, and then our minds can apply that to our lives and circumstances. Jesus' words aren't like earthly wisdom that we just need to learn what to do in each and every situation. We want to grasp the character of God, the principles of how his kingdom works, and then live that out in our lives in obedience to him. Proverbs puts it like this in the famous verse from Proverbs 3 verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. If we trust him, he will direct us in what to do. The passage in James that we looked at earlier goes on to say in verse 23 that anyone who listens to my word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So we can see the foolishness in this analogy that James is using, to look at yourself in a mirror and then to immediately forget what you look like as soon as you don't have that mirror in front of you seems ridiculous. But how easy is it for us to hear a challenging word on a Sunday from a passage of scripture, but then by Monday, we're back to our old ways and have forgotten what we heard. Both James and more importantly, Jesus say that this is foolishness. We need to let God's word change our hearts so that we can then use our minds to put it into practice in our lives. We need to lean into him and to follow his instructions and then our life will be on solid ground. We'll gain the ultimate reward and we will be recognized as his true disciples. So let's set our hearts on this. Make sure we are those who choose to remain in him, to stay connected to the true vine, to respond in obedience and in doing that, we will become more like him and point people to Jesus. So from this passage, let's remember that the important thing is obedience to Jesus. Hear the words of Jesus, put them into practice, and you'll build a firm foundation. And when the storms of life come, lean into him and stand firm, and you will not be shaken. What an amazing promise. So back to the slogan at the beginning. Hear the words of Jesus and just do it.